Moshon is a fresh of breath there. He just loves chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? <laughs> hey, swollen. It kind of looks like a football, actually. Hey, Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 107 of the Winning Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter and Instagram. And follow everything Built in Buffalo is giving you Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's a takeover. Built in Buffalo underscore. Give them a follow. Give us a follow. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, what's going on tonight? You say go, I say Bills. You say God, I say Jordan Mills. Go Bills. You say goodbye week, and I say go Bills week. Matt, how are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? <laughs> Good. Now, um, I, I, I might delete the whole thing because you mentioned my least favorite player to wear a Bills jersey, maybe ever, in Jordan Mills. Yeah, I know it always triggers you when I do Jordan Mills, but the rhyming oh, is triggers. just so easy. It, it is easy, but it is a so, big trigger. Well, to make the rhyme work, I can handle doing that to your feelings. Wasn't Matt? Jordan I have Mills, a. I, did he start a photography company after he re- retired? Maybe, I never knew about that. Maybe he's just part of Randy Johnson's photography company. Oh yeah! Wow, what a mind blow that was. Randy Johnson's an NFL know. photographer. Tony, before we get started in our usual stick, I just want to touch on the Sabres. We don't have them in the notes this week, but they're playing well. We might have, for the first time in forever, two good Buffalo sports teams at the same time. And today they released their retro rewind throwback uniforms. I know you're a big jersey snob, Tony, so I'm sure you snob. saw these. <laughs> I did. What did, you, what did you think of the retro reverse Sabres jersey? Uh much like America's suburbs, they're too white. That's my criticism of them. Zane. The old, really, the Tony, three black. weeks before midterms, you're dropping that one. <laughs> I got a lot of Jordan Poyard podcast jokes in the queue as well. So just stay tuned. I think the red and black jerseys were more complex, more loud with things happening on the shoulder. And I believe that the triangles on the sides were thicker or more framing. These are just mm-hmm. like, I feel, I feel like. The, like the subtlety of the accents has increased in a bad way. I wish it was a little bit more loud and active and busy, like the real 90s jerseys was. And that was the first thing I thought when I looked at them, even though I do really like the the blue and gold goat head very, very Me much. Too. I do too. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it so much. I wish that was their primary jersey. <laughs> I wish it was more integrated into the mainstream parts of the jerseys. Well, they're still like doing if it the was red on, and black. You know that, right? Yes, I'm, of course. Okay. Of course, this I do. doesn't replace it. They're doing it in addition to. Yes, I'm aware. But I mean, okay, good. in the way that we might see the B with the sword in it as like a very common, commonly right. put around thing. I, w- I wish that like the number two to the traditional crest, to the traditional mm-hmm. circle crest was the blue and gold goat head. The blue okay. and gold okay. head. The blue and gold <laughs> like that. Sam Reinhart wore, wore a hat at a uh, post-game press conference that had the same blue and gold color scheme goat head look. And ever since that moment, this was, what, three, four years ago, I fell in love with like that design. So I was super pumped to see mm-hmm. these. I am gung-ho on getting one. I think they look super sharp. Tony, so I guess in summary here, would you say... They're a delight, or would you delete them? Oh, if we're setting up segues, we I are. have to I've been give practicing them my segues <laughs> begrudgingly. I've been practicing on a segue. Oh, okay. The, segues on a segue. I have to give Very them meta of uh, you. Uh, del- yeah, delight. I wouldn't delete them. No, 
I'm not deleting them, I wouldn't but delete I have my criticisms either. of them. They are a big delight for me. So they're delights. Of course, as we segue yeah. to they our new segment this week, delete or delight. Tony, hit the new segment alert. We will take the most viral videos in sports and tell you, listeners, whether we should delight in their glory or delete them and never see them again. Tony, what viral moment are you going to start us off with this week? I feel heavy pressure to have to start off with what is one of the great viral moments, not just this week, but in quite some time. And that is the students and fans of Tennessee, the Tennessee Volunteers, voluntarily taking those uprights all over town. The field goal posts are going to the bar and in the river. I'm sure, <laughs> I, I hope, Matt, that you watched many of the videos. I did. It was like, I did. it was a viral video yep. addiction. It was a viral, I was amazed. Like, I'm searching up. I want to see all the videos. And so I have to say, I wanted to see all the videos and I bet you, There were some, maybe they're uber professionals. Maybe they are just don't want daddy to be disappointed down there in Knoxville, but too many were deleted because they're all a delight. They all are delightful. I'm giving it a delight as well. Yes, it's the first time I think in in the history of, of college students that college students actually stuck with something and saw it out all the way through. So good for the education of America. Good for the future of America. These kids good for the uh, good for the waterways of America. Good for the waterways, the the uh the water consistency and fresh water sources. Yes. (laughs) When Michigan's so jealous right now. (laughs) Tony, it was incredible to see uh these kids rush the field after Tennessee beat Alabama 52-49 and what was one of the best college games you'll see. For them to take the goalpost down, to take them through Knoxville, Tennessee, through the bars, through their entertainment district, and into their final destination. The goalposts go into, I don't know what river it was, but some river in Tennessee. And then for the Tennessee football program, the Tennessee Athletic Department, to have the gall, to have the cojones, to start a fundraiser because they need the goalposts for this week's home game if they don't have them they have to forfeit but i say the gall because tennessee is an athletic program that makes it is one of the few athletic programs that makes a revenue and that revenue is about 50 million dollars so for them to have the gall to ask the modern everyman out there to donate to their field goal post replacement fund it is quite quite the statement so tennessee you had all my respect for about a solid 45 minutes of these kids taking that field goal post into the river and then lost it all as you asked for money from me and everybody. <laughs> Congratulations, Tennessee. Still a delightful video. Delightful videos. Do not delete those. Those are delightful. And even the image like you brought up of when they stormed the field, like that image of the crowded field and all the fans that have descended upon the turf really filled my heart with a lot of joy. And that image, you know, if I can bring an allegory here, that image is like their AFC championship win image that we have of the goalpost coming down in Rich Stadium. And now I have to say to the fans of Tennessee Volunteers, you've upped the ante and challenge accepted. If our goalposts are not in the Buffalo River by the in the next six months, then I don't know what the hell we're doing. We're not doing it right. I want to see those goalposts go over Niagara Falls. I want to see them oh, go over be, the falls. That'd be amazing. That would be the moment. <laughs> that, no one's deleting that. That. Be, that is the delight. If if those goalposts can travel from Orchard Park to Niagara Falls, which might be like a 12-hour walk, <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate testament okay. uh, of courage and, and guile. I did want to ask you, is the college fans rushing the field, rushing the court after a big win? To me, that's one of the cooler moments in sports there isn't much like in like pure optics wise to see everyone out there in the same color in this case orange flooding the field and celebrating and in this case 
getting out stogies and tearing down goalposts. I feel it feels like one of the cooler moments in sports. Like if you could freeze frame a moment, it would be 50,000 people on a field are all rushing the field at once, right? It is. And it's a shame it doesn't happen more often because of, you know, security and safety situations and these people who think they need to do their jobs above moments like that. I wish it happened more often. I wish it was more revered. And I wish it was more systematic of when it should happen so that it's like expected. Yeah. But yes, I love it. And even yeah. in many times I've been to the MAC tournament and seen many a UB victory there. And, yeah, you, you know, there is great sense of, you know, I mean, it was always like kind of expected, but throughout the game, there was that great sense of like, oh yeah, you know what I get to do after this? I get to go down right. on the court. I get to anticipation. make snow. Yeah, I get to make snow angels in the confetti. I get to dab up like, <laughs> Rep- both reporters Bobby players Hurley. and the, the layperson. yeah exactly right. bobby hurley it's it's a, it's a it's a very cool moment for sure no great first pick that's the viral moment of definitely at least this month if not the whole college football season or and what's viral in sports these days tony my first choice i have to go with because i can't stop watching this video it is a group of six middle to older aged men in San Diego Padres jerseys, singing their and Josh Allen's with them. Pump pump song. I, I hope Josh Allen's not with them because these guys are duds. <laughs> singing their original pump up song, I guess, called "That's What's In." Tony, I don't know if you've seen this video, but it <laughs> is not one not. of the most cringy moments I have ever seen. I'll just read you the lyrics, Tony, and imagine a. 60-year-old man singing this. Here we go. Philly going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. Padres on the loose. Let's go goose. That's what's in. Bryce gonna lose and Manny's gonna cruise. That's what's in. Give Philly no slack and send them back. That's what's in. And then they repeat over and over. So back Philly back. Back Philly back. (laughs) As they creepily strut towards the camera it's it's the oddest thing ever it is cringy uh the lyrics are terrible if, if i had any respect for padres fans it was all gone in that moment imagine bill's dad but 10 times cringier if you can well then that's pretty cringy i i feel like i know my vote this does not sound delightful times, times six that sounds so so, so you're gonna sounds... so you're gonna say this is delightful as uh some a group of Older fans reveling in in their moment of glory, getting their five minutes of fame, cheering on their team, or are you going to delete it because it's just the most cringy thing ever? You know, I'm sure at a family gathering in Southern California in the summer, popping some baked beans on the plate as many generations run around the park. I'm sure those guys sitting down at the table with them are a delight. But in this case, in this video, they are a delete. Definitely a delete. You could argue delight because it is a very funny video. Tony, what is your second choice? Okay, well, I would say the viral stories going around regarding what's been happening the last few weeks in reference to Hans Niemann and him filing his $100 million lawsuit. Yeah, I know you saw it too because it's viral. That's the point of the exercise. (laughs) He has filed a $100 million lawsuit against Magnus Carlsen and chess.com in defamation because they have accused him of cheating. He's 19 years old. Turf war is getting real. It is insane. So to watch you thought thought bloods versus Crips was a rivalry that was dangerous. Just wait till you enter the world of chess. If Magnus Carlson is not fucking around, this kid Hans Neiman has exploded on the chess scene and his reign will be short-lived because studies have found that he was potentially cheating and he denies it, denies it so much that he's suing his accusers for $100 million. Now, Matt, what, what do you think the income of a professional chess player in general is? I was going to say, what chess player has even a thousandth of that number? Right. I would say the average income of a world-ranked chess player is probably a cool 
62.5. By that I mean 62 dollars and 50 cents. <laughs> I I don't think they make very much, Tony. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think they make enough for this. No. For 100 million dollars. But I have totally to say not. it's not looking in my view of this as, you know, the jury of the public. It's not looking good for Hans Neiman. I mean, Hans already admitted to cheating in this way when he was 12 years old and when he was 16 years old and now he's 19 years old. I kind of feel like the stage is set for him to be maybe be cheating. So you one thing he's not I mean, cheating. Puberty, he's still a 19-year-old like, chess player. Get a life. Yeah, he knows, like, what does it take to cheat? He knows how to open another tab. He's got chess.com in one tab. He's got the analytics in the other tab of what he's supposed to do in a given situation. Yeah, that, that raises a good question. How does one cheat in chess? It's that. He's using, like, an AI thing that's giving him suggestions of what moves he should make still think the human element makes it extremely difficult i don't know how does that computer know what the other player is going to do other or a percentage of what they could do right and then recalculates um, accordingly i guess yeah, yeah like okay i, I could see would, it. what they would likely do and what the yes. player should likely do all right this is what i'd like to see happen one and only time trial. we're going to talk about chess oh you'd be surprised what I'd like to see in this trial <laughs> is that whenever a lawyer makes a statement, they have to go back to uh, the judge's stand and smash a clock, okay. putting the other lawyer on. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. They yeah, let's do stick that. to the theme. Um, yeah, definitely stick to the chess theme. All right, so Matt, oh. do you think Hans Neiman is a delight or a delete? Well, is it the same Hans from Hans and Franz? It's The answer is no, mm. so I'm definitely deleting this. No, okay. I'm deleting it. I'm deleting it because I could give two cracks about chess just like everyone else should. No. We'll let the jury decide that. I'm I guess also, so. I'm also finding him Tony, to I'm, be a delete, I'm hitting not my, a delight. I'm hitting my buzzer clock thing on this and deleting it. <laughs> my second viral moment. This is a pretty cool story that I found. Two college wrestlers from a small college outside of Wyoming were mauled by a grizzly bear over the weekend, fought it off, and survived to tell their story. Hmm. All right. I I don't know whether to to... delight or delete this because it's a delight that they survived. A. B. Now these kids are probably, these guys are probably the kings of college. Like every college kid. (laughs) That's a good point. like Like the Tennessee you know, you could say you you carried the goalpost into the the river. That is something that enshrines you into legendary status on campus. If you fought off a bear and survived, you never need to buy a drink again. You never need to find a date again. You are kings of college. So is it delightful in that way or is it a delete? What are these kids even doing camping in the middle of fall? What are they doing attracting bears? Oh, I thought you said they were at a mall. No, they got mauled. They were camping. Oh, they got they were mauled. Camping. Okay, that's where my disconnect is. Okay, <laughs> okay, they got mauled by a bear. They this were isn't a Robin. This isn't a Robin Sparkle situation, Tony. We're not going to the mall here. Yeah, they're just building sandcastles in the dirt. I am gonna say it's kind of tough for me to. Is there a video? There's no video. It's just a story. It's a viral story. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm gonna say. Right now, skepticism is creeping in for me. Oh, I'm going to okay. say, I like, I like delete, this angle because I, like I am skeptical. Angle. I am saying, I, I can picture a couple college bros out camping. Dude, scratch me up with your fork, and we'll say we got mauled by bears. <laughs> we'll get so many chicks, you know. Dude, how are those how are those beans coming on the fire? No, I don't see right. any college bros them in my face. doing that. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't I don't see college bros doing that. Also, if a fine human being like Leo DiCaprio barely survives a bear attack, someone's telling me college bros aren't are going to fare well if a bear actually attacked them. That's my two cents about it. I mean, I've seen Leo survive the Titanic, in theory. I've seen Leo survive the Seaver household. I was going to say Kirk pains. Cameron's religious <laughs> Yeah, influence. Kirk Cameron bring about the apocalypse himself, yes. right? He's a I've survivor. I've seen Leo survive a lot of things. He's a survivor. He's not going to give up. He's not going to. He's no scrub either. Do you know what we are definitely not deleting? The Buffalo Bills because they are de- they are a delight. Okay. 
So far, they are a delight. I would agree with so that. So far, six weeks in, they are a delight. Are you ready to talk some bills? I do have, if I may. Oh, yes, uh, please. I, uh, let, let, let's rolling. talk about, I was thinking of, uh, of a something bills related, not viral okay. yet, that I don't mm. think we should delete. This struck me the earlier Quarterbacks today. interview? Nope. This struck me earlier. No, but I did love that. Uh, that good, I yeah. loved how Josh could not stop laughing. <laughs> so this struck me earlier today. Matt, as you know, as you know, we're living in an age of podcasts, as we are on one right now. As you know, anybody can have one. Jordan yes. Poyer has one, and it's a midterm year, so it's going to be a nightmare. Von Miller has one. This yes. is my proposal to you for the second Witty Not Funny podcast that actually gets off the ground. As, okay, so what's really hot in the podcast world right now? It's uh, rewatch podcasts. You got uh, Office Ladies. You got Fake Doctors, Real Friends. All of those. Those are very popular podcasts happening right, right. now. Always Sunny has a podcast. Yes. Always Sunny has a rewatch podcast. I pitched to you a rewatch podcast of the 2014 Buffalo Bill season, Ooh, ideally like hosted this. by Aaron Williams and Bakari Rambo. Wow. And us? Wouldn't that be so much fun? That would be yeah, so much fun. Chime in, everyone. Yeah. We can we're, chime we're, in. We can Nobody chime. cares about yeah. us. We can chime yeah. in. That would be <laughs> right. so much fun. Rewatch podcast, 16 episodes or 21, because we can do preseason and we had the Hall of Fame game that year. Yeah, so that would be an interesting right. episode. Mm-hmm. I like this idea. And then if it works well, we go into other drought era rewatches. Who knows yep, how it goes? Yep. Yeah. I like this. I like this a but lot. Kyrie Rambo's not doing Ooh. shit. So he needs it. He needs an <laughs> source. Says who? <laughs> Says my assumptions. Okay. <laughs> Maybe if all the wealth wasn't being concentrated to the chess world, Bakari Rambo might have a chance in this country. Don't you besmirch Bakari Rambo on this podcast, Tony. We are putting an end to this right now. That man I'm is not a trying treasure. To besmirch, I'm not trying to besmirch him. I'm trying I'm trying to give him a job. Did you have two interceptions against Aaron Rodgers? No. Okay. <laughs> well, talk to me in 10 days. I like this idea. Rewatch podcast of the drought era year hosted yeah. by two player. Two, like, we, we need to get Bakari Rambo level players. We can't have top tier guys. I agree. I kind of hated that I suggested Aaron Williams, but I also know that Aaron Williams would be a good podcast personality. Oh, Just yeah. Like knowing that's right. him, we got that's knowing what I'm how saying. We got to get personalities. Yeah. yeah. I like this. I like this idea. Yeah. Side table for now. We'll, we'll flesh right. it out when it comes. So, delight or delete? This is a it's D delight. with a capital D light. Yes. No one's like deleting this. that podcast. No, no one at all. <laughs> you know who else would be a, a good podcast host? Might be a short podcast. Might be a little slow. Is he 98 years long, old? Long in the tooth. He's 98 years old. His name is Marv Levy. Wow. You ready to throw it to Marv? Yeah, throw it to Marv. Marv, take it away. We'll be back after the break. Go, go. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Tony, of course. Woody Nation, of course. We start our Bills review the same way we start every week. With the So Bad It's Good review, Tony, you got your notepad ready. You ready to roll? Do it. Do it. Do it. Ben Stiller, Starsky and Hutch, do it. Here we go. Cue the music. Do it. Week six. The Bills head to where the Oregon Trail originated to find out the Chiefs have died from Devin's single dysentery. Josh Allen declared his own Independence Day from the question, who is the best quarterback in the NFL? Stefan Diggs was anything but off as he was Juan Every Rose has its Thornhills poison all afternoon. Isaiah Pacheco, Cody Banks couldn't be the change agent the Chiefs needed. And although it was the Juju Fruit breakout game the kingdom has been waiting for, it was Tremaine Edmonds, the tackling coconut, getting stuck in the grinding teeth of a Chiefs victory. Dawson's Creek Knox last-minute touchdown catch made the Chiefs' hopes for the number one seed in the AFC, James Vander Bleek and the Bills find themselves coming back. Katie Holmes for their bye week in Tom Cruise control. Bills win 24-20. Tony, that's our review. James Vanderbleek is a top-level pun. Thank you. I can't believe it doesn't happen all the time. I'm really impressed with your geography skills. Have you been to Kansas City before? I have not, no. But I did Google search interesting things about Kansas City. Oh, okay, okay. Because I'm like, how did he know that Independence, Missouri, the launching point of the Oregon Trail, was right within the Kansas City area. 
How, I'm like, how did he know that? That it was. How did he know? Still, I'm, yeah. How did he know? But I am impressed that you, in some way, figured that out. That Independence, Missouri, was is essentially a suburb slash like within the deal of Kansas City, just yeah. past the east side. Independence, Missouri. Tony, not only do you get witty banter on this podcast, you learn some educational lessons as well. You do. That's what we're home, here. That's what we're really Missouri, here for. Home of the Harry S. Truman National Historic Site. Oh wow, my fourteenth favorite president. Oh, are you kidding me? He's way higher. He's way higher from me. Really? Yeah, he gets a bad rap because of the bomb, but he made moves. If I said to you about how Harry S. Truman made moves, and then you said maybe, and I said, and I said, well, he made moves in ways FDR sure couldn't. Are you making a Is polio that, joke? Yeah, like it. it I think that plays. I think you're passed, okay there. Is that allowed? All right. I think yeah, I think okay. we're okay. I, I'm like, has enough has enough time allowed? I was like, well, he's making moves that FDR didn't, didn't or couldn't. Well, we'll figure it out. Couldn't. We'll figure it out in time. Yeah, I, I think that plays. I think that sticks. All right. I think you I don't stick know if it was allowed. Sure. Was, why not? Was, you know. All right. We don't have polio I mean, wh- yet. <laughs> what are what are the chances that someone's listening to this podcast that's in that in the well, FDR family tree? Yeah. So very very so, very little. I did go to the Harry S. Truman to the White House South, Harry S. Truman's other home in uh, Key West. Wow. And I learned a lot about Harry Truman there. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. That is, that is for stuff. our new spinoff podcast. Would yeah, not, not funny his, American history? <laughs> right. Tony, speaking of history, it feels like the Bills made a little history in this game. We talked a lot last week about the emotional factor, them overcoming that emotional factor not letting it affect the outcome of this game, not letting it affect the play on the field of the Bills. And I feel like for the most part, they rose to the occasion. This game, 110%. Yeah, agree. Because this game wasn't smooth sailing the whole way through. But just like they have all year, whether they're shooting themselves in the foot or untimely, uncostly errors or whatever negativity comes their way, the Bills have overcome and persevered. And they did so against what I think is really the only true competitor in the AFC, maybe in the NFL, to the Bills taking the ultimate prize. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs. My fear was that they're the new boogeymen. They're the new Patriots. And I think I can quell those fears for at least a season here, or at least until the playoffs get here. Because I think I saw a Bills team that, for the first time, looked better than the Chiefs. Tony, what was your thoughts watching that game Sunday? Take me to to where your head was at throughout the three this hours. Is the, this is the first time you think we look better than the Chiefs last year during the regular season when we were yeah, in I command mean, of that we, game the entire time? No, I mean, we, we obviously look better than the Chiefs. I, I probably should have said when the Chiefs are at like their full potential. Last year's game, the Chiefs were in a really down part of, of their season. I think they were two and two. They were coming off a loss. Like they couldn't figure out this cover two scheme defenses were running against them. And the Bills took advantage of it and rightfully so. And good for them. We did not see the Chiefs at their best or at their fullest during last year's regular season game. So yes, the Bills looked better in that game than the Chiefs did. But I think this was the first time I could say that like both teams were at their full capacity, whatever you want to call it. And the Bills looked better when you put them side by side. So if I need to clarify for a second. You did. And you did. So what were you thinking during this game? How were you feeling? Take me through uh, your your three-hour journey. Matt, I was generally tense, but not as tense as one might be as I was during the playoff game, obviously, because the stakes are a lot lower. Uh, But it was still kind of tense. It was like a am supposed to be more confident than I am for this, but the scars are still there, obviously. It was kind of the tenseness of like, you're going someplace that is another version of where you already feel confident and comfortable. Like the day you go to a new gym and you're feeling it out and it's like awkward, but it doesn't matter. Or like if you're going to like a new library or something like that, like that you don't usually hang out at or something. It was sort of like that. I was watching this game in bed only because that's the TV in the bedroom was where the best feed was going to be coming into. And I think maybe that also put me in, a more relaxed headspace. It felt like the stakes were high. It felt like this was a big deal game for a multitude of reasons, personally and professionally, in the, in the sense of like the league and our and our place in it. 
and the stakes were probably felt higher than they were. But right. you know, come late January, if things shake out the way we hope, I mean, maybe this, maybe the stakes weren't high. Maybe this, maybe this really mattered. But it was a lot of fun to win a game like that and to scream a lot when Taron Johnson picked that ball off. <laughs> the guy just steps up in the biggest moments as evident two years ago against the Ravens. But yeah. I feel like we got to start with Josh. I said in my little review that I feel like Josh kind of put to bed the question, who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Tim and Mahomes are far and away the best quarterbacks in the NFL. 1A and 1B if you're power ranking them. It just feels like Josh can do otherworldly things. And when we call him a creature, when we call him an alien, and when his teammates call him the same, that title fits fits the person because Josh continues to do things that I don't think any other quarterback, including Patrick Mahomes, can do in this league. I look at the end of the first half specifically. The Bills are backed up with one minute and 30 seconds left in the half, backed up to their own one-yard line, third and 13 from their own one-yard line. And Josh Allen, subsequently, these are the plays that fall. Gabe Davis for 19 yards, which is silly considering Josh has 10 yards of space to work with and he's probably getting bullets at that moment and he has to make a quick decision. So Gabe Davis for 19 yards, Dawson Knox for three yards, Diggs for 30, Shakir for 14, and then Davis for 34. Just if you ever worried Josh in the biggest moments gets flustered, the past two Kansas City Chiefs games have put any kind of argument like that to bed. When his back is against the wall, and literally in this case, at the end of the first half, his back was pretty much against the wall. The man came through in the most clutches of clutch terms. I mean, I know he has Josh's Jack cereal, but I think they need to make a new one called Captain Clutches that are kind of Captain Crunch-esque, but Captain Clutches. Josh was incredible. He made the big throws when it counted, and I think that's the thing we see with Josh Allen's progression from year one, two, three to years four and five is the accuracy of the deep ball. The touchdown pass to Gabe Davis, the touchdown pass to Stefan Diggs, the final touchdown pass to Dawson Knox. Just pinpoint accuracy on those incredible passes, incredible plays from the receiver. Josh Allen was his is Joshy self. 329, three touchdowns, 32 yards on the ground. He was incredible. I, I don't know how else to put it. And I don't blame like the beginning drive fumble the first drive fumble on him i think that was mckenzie's fault for not turning around but josh was amazing again and he's really i think cemented himself as the best quarterback in the league at this point look the argument you're making has a little bit of flaw based on your bias we know as has been pre-established on this podcast we know that you don't like josh's jacks that you think that they're mediocre (laughs) it doesn't mean we have to replace them with some other Captain Crunch knockoff called Captain Clutch. Josh's Jacks are fine, and we don't have to change what cereal it is supposed to emulate. But that's the thing, Tony. That Josh Allen is not just fine. He's not just average. We need a cereal that matches Josh Allen's So Captain Crunch is what you think that is? Of course. Captain Captain Crunch is a top three cereal. Oh, easily. Oh, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Get out of town. Get out of never, town with that. Never, oh never. Top three cereal. What do you think easily. about what do you think? What do you think about the nickname Captain Clutch that you're that you're saying? Uh, I think it's just got, in general. I think he's got some cereal aside. I think he's got some staying power. Okay. He's the captain of the team. He's the I captain mean, of the organization. Face of the. I mean, franchise. I think I've seen. Well, and he's clutch. I, he comes through I, in big moments. I've seen Captain Clutch used. For many, many players over the years. Mike Pekka was Captain Clutch. Sure. And but did Mike Pekka for that reach reason, Josh I have to, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's a trite nickname. And Josh Allen is too unique of a talent to have a trite nickname acceptable with that. Even though he is Captain Clutch. He is Clutch and he is the captain. I agree. He's the captain now. And in my heart, he's the captain for a long time. But of course. I don't know. Whenever people use Captain Clutch, I'm like... Uh, I think we're better than that. Just we as, I'm definitely you know, not. As humans, as a society. <laughs> no. What do you think of Josh's I, I performance of, Sunday? I, I did a lot of reflecting on Captain Clutch. Oh, I'm not even going to talk about that. I did a lot of reflecting on 
the idea of Captain Clutch. Uh, I went to the Arkell show when they were in Buffalo kicking off their current tour. And okay. we all, and, the uh, they, they made some comments, of, of course. They made some comments about how, you know, how much they love the Bills. And of course, we all loved it and everything like that. And they were like, let's, let's give it up for our guy, for whatever, for Captain Clutch himself, Josh Allen. And we did. And I was reflecting on the drive home, like, Captain Clutch, I think swing and a miss with that one. You're deleting it? It's not a delight for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I think we got, he's a creature. He's an alien, yeah. according to Romo. He's Air Allen. He's so many things to so many people. He's a hero to the children at Oshai. He's got so oh, much going children on. Children everywhere. Yeah, and children everywhere. You're right. He's the number one that, jersey. I mean, Tony, now, now you got me going here. Not about Captain Clutches, but about Josh and his interaction with children. Obviously, speaking of viral videos, which we started this mm. episode with, did you see Josh give the football to the kid? I did that see that. Okay, can we I talk about these two can, females yes, who I already are know the most say. annoying people in the world? Oh, that's not who I thought you were going to talk about. Who I thought you were going to talk about the guy, the guy on the side screaming at Josh to sign his thing, to sign his oh, to sign something. I agree. That guy was annoying off camera, though. Josh wasn't even paying him an attention. These girls, first of all, why are they wearing like pit viper sunglasses? is beyond me and it's pretty much a nighttime out at that point <laughs> strike one there strike two they're pretty much in josh's face clamoring for a photo for a selfie mm-hmm. throwing their yes. phones at him pretty much yes it's too much and have the wherewithal that josh he is doing this for this kid he's making this kid's day he's creating memories that'll last a lifetime for this child know your role read the room and just get out of the way. <laughs> Stop being annoying. These are girls really got my goat this week mm-hmm. when I watched that video. Delete, delete them. Delete them. Delete, delete. Delete them. <laughs> the kid can stay. All right. So Captain Clutch, delete. The two girls in the pit viper glasses, delete. It is delete. Tony, but that we, performance we, we can't delete was a delight. Josh's performance, though. Yes, exactly. Yes, that performance. Um, that performance, delight. What I liked my takeaway was, yeah. you know, they put up that they put up that graphic a little bit into it and it was like Josh had like whatever, like six completions in a row or something. And then he had like six completions in a row, but that kind of comeback, you know, you, you look at that graphic and it's all those incompletions in a row. Yikes. Like Josh has the yips, what's going on. But then for him to bounce back so easily, I think that shows some maturation that shows that Josh is in the right headspace in these games. And it's just another example of, a way that we can just pour the love onto that guy to make a move like that. And it makes it, and it, you know, it brings up the trust. I mean, I know we all trust him like a hundred out of a hundred, but just, mm-hmm. just brings up and under un- underscores that even more. I trust him in my life at this point. I don't know about you. Me too. At least my, at least I can't my wait to have life. a kid so I can meet him. So you can use that kid to get the job. <laughs> that was always, yeah, that right. was always the big picture goal. Yeah. But top five Josh performance, it feels up there for me. If I'm putting his performances in a vacuum, probably not. But really, considering the stakes, considering everything that surrounds this game, considering how close it was, considering all of that, yeah, it was amazing. We're going to remember it. It was cool. He did things this game. I mentioned driving 99 yards at the end of the first half. Yeah. The touchdown pass is just on point. The scramble, that I forget what quarter it was, but he had one scramble where he evaded pressure in the backfield and scooted around like it was for a first down in the end i think he took like a swift shot like to the small of the back at the end of the play but i mean he made some moves there that just were you just have to laugh man (laughs) this guy is incredible then of course the leap like again against kansas city him leaping over a player that iconic josh allen pose we have michael jordan air allen as you mentioned that kind of level of pop culture fame is the Josh Allen leap now, I feel like. And he did it again this game. It's just, again, those moments. Only Josh can perform. Only Josh can do the throws he was making, uh, changing the arm angles, the touch, the velocity, the the depth. Like, just, I thought he was just on point all game. And I really w- would put this in one of his best performances as a Bill, knowing the stakes. Yeah, knowing the stakes, knowing what happened, knowing some of those highlights that you mentioned of the accomplishments within the game, for sure. I mean, it's definitely a fun week going into the bye week and having 
all the pundits be talking about all these things that we are talking about and just listening to that and having the opportunity to experience that, to relive that a lot better than when you relive and experience the nine and seven season from 2014 with Bakari Rambo <laughs> and Aaron Williams with our new podcast. Great shameless plug. I love it. What should, already starting. What, yeah, already started. What's the title? Saved by the Bills. I was trying to play off the word Rambo somehow. Oh, well, it's like a Rambo, Rambo. quote. Yeah, something like I from don't know. Rambo. I'll like, be back. I don't know. No, Guns? No. I don't we'll think, think I ever saw any Rambo movies. It wasn't all good on the offensive side of the ball, Tony. The face of the franchise had a rough game, rough game for Isaiah McKenzie. Mentioned the first drive, opening drive fumble on the option pitch play. Couple drops, including one in the end zone for a touchdown where he kind of glitched out and tripped over his own feet. Tough day in the office for the face of the franchise. But where there's darkness, there is light as well and the light is that i think this means khalil shakir the he wolf is going to be getting more snaps now i'm not saying mckenzie's role is diminishing i just think it's changing a little bit i think he's going to go back to the gadget fourth receiver kind of guy whereas shakir he wolf takes on that more traditional slot role i could see that moving forward shakir has been reliable He's been effective when he gets a ball in his hands with yards after catch. Are we seeing a change into the guard with Kluger becoming the prime slot receiver for this team? I think that makes sense to me, especially on the ideal that really he would be the backup wide receiver for this team in the slot until Crowder comes back. Then the attitude is that this is Demar Hamlin. This is a learning experience. Uh, this is a developmental experience until the big boys come back in the form of Crowder or Hyde. That makes sense to me. I am dis- have been disappointed with McKenzie really all season that he seems to have the yips. He's probably a little bit distracted by his newly found fame from NBC's America's Got Talent. And, uh, you know, it's kind of sucked and I'm kind of sick of it. I think we all ran out of patience. I mean, really, like, it's shocking that this is what it took for us to run out of patience when we lost because of him in my, like, I blame him for the Miami loss. I would say I'd be excited about it because. He Wolf makes plays. He Wolf looks good. And I kind of like this idea of like a bunch of wide receivers are involved and it opens up the offense to be a little bit more diverse uh, in that all of our stable of wide receivers get involved in different scenarios and case dependent and everything um, like we're seeing, you know, and after Kumaro comes back in the world that he's going to adopt or in this case, getting whatever, one or two catches a game and him being yeah. involved and all that he's doing. So cool with it. Yeah, I'm I'm good with it too. I think it gives the offense. But we a little also more. love He Wolf, so you know. We do we do love He Wolf, of course. Um so seeing more of He Wolf is is never a bad thing, but if Mackenzie kind of falls back into that gadget guy, jet sweep, fourth receiver, I I I actually think that might benefit him. And I think it'll benefit the offense. It gives the offense a little more versatility in their packages, but I think when we're in four receiver sets and Khalil Shakir is your primary slot receiver who's most likely matching up against the nickelback, I think McKenzie being that fourth receiver allows you to get him on some mismatches with either linebackers or safeties that he can maybe outrun a little more easier or separate from a little more easier or release from the line a little more easier. So I think this could benefit everyone, in, in my opinion, from what I see. Um, so you got me sold tough, tough. Yeah. Why not? So tough go for McKenzie this game, especially with the lights being so bright, considering who they were playing against in the chiefs, considering the time slot, considering the whole nation was watching 24 million viewers, I think record for, Oh my gosh, really four o'clock CBS game. So the bills always do that though. They always, if they're always there around prime time, they're just setting records. So tough day at the office. Like I said, for Isaiah McKenzie, uh, the other note I had about the offense was the run game got going. Devin Singletary in the offensive line looked great to start this game off. I think they benefited from the chiefs. They actually, both teams were playing teams. Seemed like the same, same defense where it's just like, keep everything in front of us. Don't give up the deep ball. Even though the chiefs ended up, dropping a safety down on blitzes way too often and getting burnt on the Davis and t- Diggs touchdowns, in my opinion. But at least for the start of the game, both defenses just keeping everything in front of them. And I think Singletary and the offensive line were able to take advantage 
offensive line able to open holes, get to the second level and create lanes for Devin Singletary. And just as it has been all season, it's clear Devin Singletary is the best running back on this team. And he looked really good. I, I thought uh, he took he took his his opportunity and pun intended ran with it, averaging five yards a carry, 85 yards on the ground, 17 carries over 100 net yards with uh, 22 more yards in the receiving game. This was a good game to to get the running game right. And as we saw at the end of last year, if the running game gets right and is effective, it only opens up a lot for the passing game and Josh Allen. So good to see uh, going into the bye. Hopefully that trend continues on the other side as they kick back into action against Green Bay next week here. Absolutely. And I hope it brings some confidence to maybe some of the the aspects of the team that have like been stumbling a little bit, if only for not only for the players, but if only for our coordinators as well and what they're going to bring. We're talking offense now, but I will also say, I I think some of the young guys, I feel like I can see some development starting to happen. I'm excited about it. I'm glad it's happening now and that this season can be help with that development and that everyone's just like, you know, super good and talented for playoffs. I just hope we, this is the beginning of us only getting better. And the Bills offensive line did not give up a sack this game. Of course, that right, was good point, good point. Attri- attributed to Josh Allen's improvisational skills. But the offensive line did hold up pretty well against pretty formidable pass rush, I'd say. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, those guys can get to the quarterback. So, yeah, I thought I thought the offensive line had one of their best games of the year. And uh, hopefully as continuity continues, they continue to gel with, I'd say, like this, this six because Spencer Brown went out and Quisenberry stepped in and I that played pr- pretty well, actually, for kind of getting put in spot duty there in the middle of the game. So those six continue to gel. Like Bacher comes back off the pup list. I think the depth is is really good on that offensive line. So good to see the run game get going. Uh, Tony, any other notes about the offense before we move to the other side of the ball? Do you think that the Spencer Brown Quisenberry is the closest one to in terms of depth at a position on the team? You know what I mean? Of like I don't know interchanging starters and not losing a beat. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what beat? What second team player is the closest to their first team player? Yeah, I, I think that's the right call because you feel like if you lose any other guy on that offensive line, it's it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, we we've seen throughout the year it's... when Morse doesn't play and Bates has to go in right. or Van Rotten has to go in. There's a huge difference. And even looking on, you know, the defensive side of the ball, if you replace Micah Hyde with DeMar Hamlin, even though DeMar Hamlin's been very good, he's getting a lot of good reps against really good competition. It's only going to benefit him and benefit the team. He's not Micah Hyde. And it's clearly up. He's not Micah Hyde. And that's not to say he hasn't been good because he has been very good, but Still not Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde's a game changer, quarterbacking, the defense. Um, so, yeah, I think that right tackle position is between first and second string, if you will, to to put an, into into titles uh, is the closest and in, in the most interchangeable to me, yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say that or Benford to Elam. Yeah. I Would be my... You know, would be my Elam had another interception this game. Oh, yeah. He's been... Really good. I think he's kind of separated himself from. I, this is not okay. a knock on Christian Bedford because he's got more power. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I still love that. Three weeks later, why did we didn't do it sooner? <laughs> Boggles my mind. And Bedford's really good, but I think Elam's showing at least these past three weeks why he was a first round pick because. I think he's been pretty shut down. Ball hawk struggled a little against the Steelers, but he's a rookie. He's going to have his lumps. He's going to have his hurdles. He's overcome. And what did he? What did he do? He struggles against the the Steelers two weeks ago. Comes right back. Has a super stellar game. Really solid against the Chiefs. I, I think Elam's just kind of separated himself from the sixth round rookie out of Villanova. Tony moving on to the defense side of the ball. I think the story on the defense side of the ball is the impact of off-season additions. And I'm talking one guy on the defensive line who gets the sexy stats <laughs> and one guy who does not because I think they both have been equally important to this defense. I, mm. on this podcast, we, on this podcast, in the off-season, stated that Daquan Jones might be the most important off-season addition to this team. And th- six weeks into the year, I think that's kind of true. Mm. He's been awesome taking up double teams, even being a disruptor himself, despite those double teams, 
And because he's taking up those double teams, because he's doing his job so well, yeah, the sexy stats don't show, but it does allow for those stats to show for other guys because Daquan Jones is so good at what he does. And, and it's noticeable. You can see on replays, like Daquan Jones taking up two guys, being a disruptor, allowing guys on stunts to get free or get one-on-one and win their battle. Like Daquan Jones has been awesome to me. Uh, everything Starlo Tule was supposed to be, we had now having Jaquan Jones. And then the sexy stats guy is, of course, Von Miller. Two sacks this game, impact. These, this is the reason we got him. Games like this, close out guy. Stefan Diggs went over to Von Miller and said, finish it, Mortal Kombat style. And what does Von Miller do? He finishes it. Yeah, it was him and Milano and the defense as a whole playing really well, but Von Miller was super impactful. Off-season additions, Tony, on this defensive line, this is why we got him for games like this, uh, worth every penny. I think that's the big story of the defense this game. I'm glad that you're hyping up Daquan here in the sense because everyone is going to go with the low-hanging fruit. of Von had a moment, but many of the off-season additions had a game. Mm-hmm. You know, and Von had a game too. Von, I mean, Von had a game. The guy was a sack machine. But, yes. you know, a lot of the off-season additions really stepped up. A lot of the defense really stepped up. And even into the secondary of Benford and Elam and our revamped cornerback room rose to the occasion today with this one. And it's only going to get better with Trey coming back soonish. Yeah, I was a fan. Uh, and they interesting question came in- posed on GR because of the good cornerback play this week. Would you trade Tredavious White? No. So you can get like three, three first round picks. No. Okay, good. I'm they, glad we're on no. the same page. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever too. So. No, no. That's it's preposterous. But I no, mean, it's a weird, not, it's a weird no, problem not, to have no. because when Tre'Davious White comes back, the All-Pro corner that he is, and you hope and have to think that he'll get back to that level of play. To have like four really good cornerbacks is is unnecessary. <laughs> like, what do you what do you do in this case? <laughs> I'll tell know. you what you do, it's Matt. A, it's a question without an answer. You tear down the goalposts and send them over Niagara Falls because we're going to win a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. That's what Von you Von Miller, do. though, worth every penny? Yes. So far, yes. Not my money. What do I care? It's true. It's not. That, oh, is it? Do your taxes go to these NFL players' salaries? I don't know how the model works. If anything, my season ticket money would go to it, but I kind of don't think that's no, how maybe, it works. Maybe you are revenue. Maybe, maybe we should give you the same amount of credit we're giving Von Bell or Tony. Yeah. And I say it's about time. Yes. It's about time that this franchise started thanking me for these wins. Hope you're listening. When you look, Hope you're listening. When you, you go down the Terry. list, Von Miller, Daquan Jones, Terry, you're listening. We know you're listening, Terry. And then even further down the line, Jack Lawson has showed up these past couple of weeks. And I think yeah. it's, been, it's been very effective and effective to a point where it seems like Boogie Wonderland Basham is now on the back burner uh, in terms of getting reps. Jordan Phillips, I thought, for coming back from a hamstring injury, was pretty disruptive and looked kind of like the old Jordan Phillips, Jordan Phillips we saw earlier this year before the injury. So again, off-season additions, huge impacts on this team. It's the first time I think in 30 years when Aaron Schatz put out that there's a team number one in offensive and defensive DVOA, and that's the Bills. Tony, this team's really good. I know. That's what I'm saying. You really can't argue with a lot of that. In that broadcast of this past week's game, Tony Romo kept talking about how it's like we're beating teams by an average of 18 points. That was getting me hyped right. up. I know. And then we won, and I'm just like, man, this is just like, this has the potential of being historic, you know? Yeah. And it got me real hyped it re- up. It really I'm does. still pretty hyped up about it. I know. It's just, if they can just stay healthy, knock on wood, knock, 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 the sky's the limit for them. And of course, we mentioned earlier in the episode, but Taron Johnson stepping up when we needed defensive play the most. Milano, Von Miller doing their part in that interception. Von coming off the stun and Milano spying Patrick Mahomes and running and chasing as Mahomes breaks the pocket, causing Mahomes to change his throwing angle, change his timing, uh, allowing for Taron Johnson to step in front of the pass and make a play to seal the game. That's the one thing they have now for Years and years and years and years, even the first couple of years of the Josh Allen era, I was always wondering who's going to make a play 
in the clutchest moments, third and long, game ceiling play. And now we have a bunch of guys that can do that. It didn't seem like anyone wanted yeah. to step up before and make a play. I'm like, who's going to make a play? Someone make a play. I'm yelling at my TV. Those things consistently. And now I'm still yelling at my TV consistently. But the TV's answering me back. The bills on the screen are answering me back and saying, yeah, we got someone to make a play, man. You don't need to yell anymore. Although I'm still going to yell. So yeah. it's nice to see we have closers. We, it's nice to see we have people who will make plays. Man, Milano. And we said out there and we said on this podcast even before von miller was signed even before free agency signed we said we just wanted someone who when called upon was going to get it done someone when they said okay we got to close out this game so who's it going to be and then the announcer would say like we want the aaron donald like well it's going to be aaron donald stepping up and getting it done and now now look at us the defense is working in a way that now they have the capability of, if, if not Vaughn, then Rousseau. If not Rousseau, then Milano. If not Milano, then Taron Johnson. Like, And it's all going to be working together just to like get the job done enough to get the job done. I think that's a perfect way to put it because I, I don't know who it was that broke down that final Taron Johnson interception, but that was a complete team effort. It wasn't just yeah. Vaughn rushing the court. Like, that was schematically drawn up to have that end result of like Von mm-hmm. stunting and Milano pursuing and Taron Johnson sitting in the zone. And I mean, it, it felt like it wasn't just individuals out there making plays, but a whole team coming together and doing their part to run the machine or whatever, however, whatever metaphor you want to use. Yeah. It's, it's like a, instead of 11 guys out there, it's like one single unit working in complete synchronicity like it's it's incredible to watch and uh again they're really good and a well-deserved bye week coming up here and then geez you look at the schedule after the bye week and it's like man they could go like 15 and 1 16 and 1 that's what's going on in my mind i know like it's it's crazy to think that possibility but i don't see i watch other games yes i don't watch them as intently or week after week these teams as i do the bills but I watch these other games and I go, man, none of these teams are as good as the Bills. Like not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's crazy? I, I thought for I thought we... for a second, like the Chargers might be, you know, if they put it together, they have the weapons. But I watched them Monday night against the Broncos. And I'm like, man, they're not that good. <laughs> That's how I feel about a lot of teams. For sure. And like what's crazy to me is, you know, chances are at some point this season, maybe at a few points this season we're going to lose a game that like we weren't supposed to lose. We did not see a loss Jaguars. in yeah. a game. Yeah. It, and it's, I'm not like, it's going to impact me and many of us so intensely that we are, we are going to be like checking into rehab clinics. Like it is going to be so, <laughs> such a crazy, like, how did that happen? I don't, you know, like I am not prepared for it, for this notion that like, <laughs> some team is going to come along and beat us randomly. And yeah, I don't know how I'm even going to think of it, but it's going to happen probably. I know it's, it's weird to think of that. Any team right now could beat us. Tony, the only other notes I had about the defense were Matt Milano is super important to the success mm-hmm. of this team. Cause he and was super good and super good. He was all over the place, even and though he Gave him a terrible grade, which is weird and, and super handsome. Always, always an important aspect of success being super handsome, being good looking. Unfortunately, as Zoolander taught us. Yeah. And big ups to, I know he's coming for our podcast throne here, but big ups to Jordan Poyer for uh, traveling by car to Kansas City and back this week for the game because he was not cleared to travel via airplane for a guy that's in contract disputes and maybe not happy with his current contractual situation. I think that was big of him to, to certainly do that. Tony, what are your thoughts about uh, Jordan Poyer traveling 15 hours via, I'm guessing road rules, Winnebago to, uh, (laughs) to be a part of this game. I kind of don't know if what he's doing merits all the hype. I assume it probably does. And I like Jordan Poyer as a player, and I know that he's dedicated to his team, and I'm not questioning his motives at all with it. But it makes you get like, wouldn't a lot of players do that? I kind of feel like they would. 
And if they wouldn't, then what are you doing in this league? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Sharice Wright, Wright did it for training camp and for OTAs. He wasn't as important as Jordan Boyer is. Yeah, this, yeah. No knock to Sharice Wright, but right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but we shouldn't knock financial... Sharice Wright. You know, he had an all right no, career. He had an all right, yeah, perfectly good career. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're. I guess you're right, but I think, like I said, if if you're hurt and in a contract dispute and all this stuff, then, you know, maybe it holds a little more weight that he went above and beyond to get to the game, get in the game, participate, play. Right. I, I don't know. That's my two cents. In yeah. The big picture, it's probably, it's probably dust in the wind, but I, pre- I appreciate I kinda, it. Yeah, me too. I kind of wonder about it. And I wonder, I, well, I guess I just would say that I'm really glad the offseason is this week. If we got a player playing who can't even go on airplanes because right. of his lungs, I'm glad the offseason is this week. That sounds about right then. I'm surprised like he can't go on airplanes because of his lungs and how they're affected by cabin pressure, but he's allowed to play in a gladiatorial football game. <laughs> yes. Grace of gladiatorial. Yeah. We stretched the vocabulary on this podcast. A, a little surprising. Not able to withstand cabin pressure, but able to withstand hitting another NFL player maybe yeah. hit himself blocked in the lungs, ribs, whatever. Just a little surprising, but big ups to JP21 for making the effort and, and getting to the game. Tony, any other notes about the defense before we wrap up our Bills talk? Nope, wrap it up. Let's go. <laughs> we'll be back after a quick word from our friends at Traveling Growler, and we'll be back after the break. That sound you hear? That's the sound of opening up a refreshing cold one on a hot summer day. And you know what's keeping my drink cold, listeners? A quality koozie from Traveling Growler. Follow them on Instagram and check out www.travelinggrowler.com for all their cool designs. Keep the chill in your fill and travel in style with Traveling Growler. Now back to the show. And we are back, Tony, before we say our goodbyes. We haven't done it in a while. Let's bring back our one Seinfeld segment. Of course, this, if the listeners don't know, is we pick a quote from our favorite TV show that best describes how we feel about the Bills in their current state. Tony, would you like me to do the honors? Uh, Sure. All right. I am going to go to, for my quote, season six, episode 24, The Understudy. And I'm going to go to a quote by Kramer. That is Cosmo Kramer. He's quoted as saying, Oh, understudies are a very shifty bunch. The substitute teachers of the theater world. And Tony, I choose that quote because the Bills are the main attraction in the NFL. They're the main event. They're the stars of the show. And everyone else are those shifty understudies trying to replace us, trying to take the mantle away from us. And maybe they're going to do some shifty stuff. Maybe they're going to bring cameras to our practices. Maybe they're going to try to purposely injure our players. They're those shifty understudies and the bills are what you come to see if you're going to the show. So that is my quote for how I feel about the bills in their current state after week six. I would concur. I have a similar um, justification surrounding my quote as well, but I do like what how you, you put choose? like, if, you, if you're coming to the show, the bills are what you're going to see. Yeah. We are the, uh, an NFL fans team now. And it's no surprise that celebrities are starting to show up at our games for that reason. All right. I chose a quote from George from season two, The Jacket, a classic episode written by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld, directed by Tom Trones. It was originally broadcast February 6th, 1991. And it is actually a version of a quote from Les Mis from George, master of the house, doling out the charm, ready for a handshake and an open palm. Tells a saucy tale, loves to make it stir. Everyone appreciates. What is that song? It's from Les Miserables, uh, Jerry asks. But master of the house, the Bills are the master of the house. Yes. We're we're the ones doling out the charm, whether it be the jokes of the QB room or whether it be a Josh Allen leap over yet another player. The, The league is the house and we are the masters. Everyone knows we're number one. It's universally understood. How can you not love the Bills? Even if you're not a fan of the Bills. They're such an easy team to root for. They play an entertaining style of football. They're off the field, even on the field. Personalities are downright infectious, if I say so myself. The charisma, 
the comedy aspect. Like it feels like it's just so tough, even if you're not a fan of this team, to root against them. Yeah, it's fun. And I mean, everyone like after the drought, there I'm sure there's a lot of lingering underdog emotions that a lot of non-Bills fans feel too. Like, oh yeah, like this is cute. The Bills are like super good now. <laughs> this is cute. They're master of the house. They're, They're quick to catch house. your eye. Never wants a passerby to pass him by. Also There's master of their domain. Of this song. Oh, I hope so. To use another Seinfeld reference. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so those are our quotes in our one Seinfeld segment. Tony, let's wrap it up. Thank you to, of course, our sponsor, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Shop local, support local. Holiday season coming up. Great stocking stuffer. Traveling Growler koozie starting at just $5. Check them out. www.travelinggrowler.com. T-shirt store, T-E-E-Spring.com. Not only do we have t-shirts, but we have crewnecks, hoodies, tanks, long sleeve shirts. Like We have everything. Very cool designs. Be the talk of your next tailgate. Be the talk of your next watch party. Perfect time to buy them. It's a bye week. You have money. You're not. B-U-I week. It's a B-U-I bye week. It's a B-U-I and a B-Y-E bye week. B-U-I. Just saying. (laughs) You have extra money that you're not spending on food, booze, whatever associated with watching a Bills game. Go out and buy a Winnie Not Funny piece of clothing apparel. TESpring.com. Search Winnie Not Funny, all one word. Where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast, of course, on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Dropping every Friday. Search Built in Buffalo. Search Winnie Not Funny, all one word. Spotify, iTunes. If you like us, subscribe, leave us a review. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. We truly do mean that. Twitter handles, Tony, where can listeners find you? Uh, you can find me at Tony Ambrose on Twitter, at Tony J Ambrose on Twitter, at Tony486 on Instagram. You can find me at the Tony Ambrose on Be Real. You can oh, find me at Tony Ambrose. Are you being real? On Facebook. I'm being real. Are you being real? No, I'm not being real. I'm never real. Mm. I think be real well, is too real for me. I think be real is yeah. too real for me. Well, I'm not ready to be that real. Shows. You can t- I can tell. I can go tell. Go follow Tony and all his 20 burner <laughs> accounts and uh, go be real with him on Be Real. Uh, you can follow the podcast yeah. at Woody Sports 716, Twitter, Instagram, Woody Not Funny Sports on Facebook and TikTok. Go follow us. We love following back, connecting with the Buffalo sports community out there on social media. Give us a follow. Join the Witty Nation. Send off for the listeners. Tony, take us home. Go Sabres. Congratulations, Rasmus Dalin, on making history tonight as we were recording this episode. And I look forward to I look forward to seeing how real this season gets. Sabres are definitely being real. And like I said at the top of the hour, we might have fourth goal just went in. Finally two good professional sports teams at the same time for like the first time, I think maybe ever seems like when the sabers are bad the bills are good and i always say go bills go sabers and of course stay witty out there everyone thanks for listening peace bye bye later Moshon is a fresher breath there he just loved chain restaurants matter of fact he ate at applebee's 12 times during the bye week i love eating it most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? <laughs> it it kind of looks like a football, actually. It, Thank you for that. Stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.